Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 148 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us as we can begin, or continue I should say really, our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials. Uh, Today we are beginning our look at Doctrine and Covenants Sections 58 and 59 covered it in the May the 24th to May the 30th Come Follow Me materials, and today we'll be looking at the background and historical context behind Doctrine and Covenants section 58. As uh, discussed yesterday, we are looking at the sections that deal with the saints' first steps into the land of Missouri uh, in Jackson County. And the Prophet Joseph Smith received a revelation uh, on July the 20th, guiding them and directing them about where Zion would be, where it would be physically built up to begin with. Um, but on the 1st of August, 1831, um, Joseph Smith received this revelation as well. Uh, and this was really based on um, some of the um, negative feelings that were had by some of the elders when they first arrived in Jackson County. Obviously, they've been promised this 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 precious land, uh, a land of Zion, a place where the saints will be built up. Um, but it was basically not very, um, it wasn't, it, they didn't seem to think it was very blessed. It, it was not, it was lacking in terms of physical resources. The people there were a very negative people. Um, historical notes states that, you know, because of the, allegedly some of the, the individuals living there away from the law of the United States and things like that, where they could easily hop over the river and be out of the jurisdiction of the United States. Uh, there were some unsavory characters there and so on. It was just basically not a very pleasant place, it seems, from the historical records. Um, it says in the Joseph Smith Revelations um, papers analysis, quote, Upon arriving in Jackson County, however, some of the elders expressed disappointment with what they found. Oliver Cowdery, Zeba Peterson, Peter Whitmer Jr. and Frederick G. Williams had been preaching to white settlers in Independence and the vicinity since they were ejected from the Indian Territory west of Missouri by February 1831. Despite their efforts, those arriving in Missouri in July found fewer than 10 converts, whereas some had expected a burgeoning community of believers and perhaps a settlement that would be able to accommodate the migration of church members. Close quote. So it seems that perhaps that their expectations were not the reality. And I suppose as we go into this section, we need to think about, you know, how does this apply sometimes to us? Why does this, um, you know, relate to us in today's world and I think it relates to us a lot especially when we are learning about aspects of church history or we're learning about aspects of historical leaders of the of the of of the Lord's church that perhaps mean that doesn't meet our expectations obviously we we believe Joseph Smith to have been a prophet Brigham Young to have been a prophet and so on but there may be times where we learn things about these individuals that we that don't quite meet our expectations as a prophet of the Lord. And I suppose the question is then, you know, is that because our expectations of them are too high? I mean, yes, they are a prophet, but they're not perfect. They're not fallible. We do not believe that our prophet who leads the church is an, inf- an, an infallible person. Uh, and so, you know, why should we expect them to have never made a mistake or, or not never said anything that may upset upset others? Of course, when they speak for the Lord, um, that is, you know, something we need to take, we need to, we need to be, take careful attention to. And I guess that's the issue is when are they speaking for the Lord and when are they not? And I think that is something that we need to come to terms with as we study and as we ponder and reflect and, and prayerfully search the words of the prophets with the Spirit. Um, 
But here, clearly, there was a bit of a problem between, you know, their expectations of what Zion would be and what they came to. Of course, not probably realising that it was down to them to build Zion where they stood. Um, it continues here by saying, quote, Meanwhile, tension arose between Bishop Edward Partridge and Joseph Smith. The revelation of 20th of July called Partridge to manage the properties of the church and to see to all things as it shall be appointed by, the, by God's law with the assistance of Sidney Gilbert. According to one observer, Partridge argued with, with Joseph Smith about the quality of the land selected for purchase. The, the disagreement apparently generated hard feelings on both sides. Partridge considered Joseph Smith abusive, while Sidney Rigdon accused Partridge of having insulted the Lord's prophet. Close quote. So, basically, there is some definite um, concerns arising, and it has left some negative feelings towards each, each other. And so this revelation on the 1st of August was given uh, to help direct the saints further and give them guidance and support uh, to help them be able to settle into the land. Um, and I think that, you know, as we think about this and as we study uh, this section over the next day or so, uh, we, we need to look for the times or the, the moments or the examples that we can learn from, from Edward Partridge. Now, let's just talk briefly about Edward Partridge, because we know from previous uh, sections of this, of the Doctrine and Covenants, that he was a man without guile, that he was a great believer and, um, and, an, and an important uh, figure in building up the church. And of course, what we should also learn from this is that um, people should not be remembered, as we've said before, for their faults and the things that they do wrong. This disagreement that Edward Partridge had, he, Partridge had about the land of Zion, uh, he repented of it uh, and he tried to apply himself. And he really took that the, um, the words from the Lord seriously. Um, I think that that is such an important uh, thing to remember. In a letter home to his, to his wife, writing about the land of Zion and his thoughts and feelings on it, and his calling as a bishop, um, he actually says something really quite interesting. Because when you look uh, in the actual um, text uh, within the sections, uh, and I'll, 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 probably go in, I'll probably go into it uh, tomorrow, um, but in in there it says, but if you not repent of his sins, which is unbelief and blindness of heart, let him take heed lest he fall. Now, what's really interesting is that um, in some of the notes from the um, from this revelation, it says that Partridge wrote wrote a letter to his wife Lydia, wondering if he would be able to fulfil his station as bishop, and asked her to pray for him that he would not fall. So he clearly took this to heart. Uh, and what a great example this is. Another great example, which isn't really, uh, I don't think, uh, mentioned very much. Um, but in this case, uh, Martin Harris, um, he had an important role to play in this. Um, he donated a lot of money uh, toward purchasing land in Missouri so that the saints could settle. Um, and, what, and so, you know, we often speak about him. When we speak about Martin Harris, we think of the 116 lost manuscript pages. Let's not forget that he donated hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, to the purchasing of land. I believe it went into the thousands, actually, um, to purchase land around Missouri. And yet we remember him for his lost 116 pages. Uh, and so what a great um, and dedicated soul he must have been. Uh, and I think that we need to remember that, that we should not uh, remember people for their faults and the things they make mistakes on. As we begin in Doctrine and Covenants section 58, we see in verse 3, the Lord does indeed have a higher vision, a higher purpose for this land, perhaps more so than the saints recognise at this time. 
He says, you cannot behold with your natural eyes for the present time the design of your God concerning those things which shall come hereafter and the glory which shall follow after much tribulation. And after much tribulation come the blessings. Wherefore the day cometh that ye shall be crowned with much glory. The hour is not yet, but is nigh at hand. Uh, Robert D. Hales uh, said this, quote, Being temperate in this way, we develop patience and trust in the Lord. We are able to rely on his design for our lives, even though we cannot see it with our own natural eyes. When faced with storms of tribulation, we ask, What wouldst thou have me learn from this experience? With his plan and purposes in our hearts, we move forward, not only enduring all things, but also enduring them patiently and well. Close quote. This is an important teaching, and I think something which the saints, as they arrived in Jackson County, once again had to endure, you know, the questions and the doubts that would have filled their minds when they were expecting, you know, their expectation of what this land would look like, and then seeing the reality. And helping our expectations match that reality is one of the most difficult things we can do. But with faith and trust in the Lord, and as we rely on him, uh, he can help guide us from helping our expectations, you know, include what we see as our reality. And I think that's a really important um, skill and a characteristic to learn. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed the study. Please do continue to follow the podcast, share your review on, on iTunes or whatever your podcasting platform would be. I'd really appreciate that. And of course, you can email ldsstudysession at gmail.com. Thank you very much for your time. And until we meet again.